I'm beginning a series called Simply Jesus, and the reason I'm doing that because I just feel like in my heart, in my spirit at this time, that we need to look at the simplicity of who our Lord and Savior really is. A lot of people have a lot of definitions and a lot of things they say about him, but Albert Einstein said in the middle of complexity, search for simplicity, and I think that's what we need to do concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Over here in Matthew chapter 16, Actually, this situation came about in Jesus' ministry. Jesus said what is recorded of him in Matthew 16, verse number 13. Notice this phrase here that I'm about to read to you, these scriptures. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So notice this question that's being asked by Jesus at this time. I believe this same question is being asked today, ladies and gentlemen. And it says this in verse 14, And some said that you are John the Baptist, Elijah, or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But look what Jesus said, Whom do you say that I am? And I want you to notice verse number 16, And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I believe that Peter said that with boldness. I believe he said that with conviction. And notice what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now watch this, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And then Jesus takes it a step further and he says, I say to you that you are Peter on this rock, not necessarily talking about Peter, but talking about what Jesus said, the revelation of what Jesus declared. I mean, Peter declared to Jesus this rock of revealed, a revealing of who he was. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that's you and I referring to us today. And notice what Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think that's an interesting statement that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell itself will not prevail against you and I. Why? Because we have a revelation. We have an understanding of who Jesus is. And I think that is so important. Over, over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse... Um, well, I'm going to read it in the King James that fell posted on the, um, in the Passion Translation. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 15. Notice what it says here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. Listen to this. In the New King James, it says... This phrase here, it says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks the reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and respect. Notice that phrase there, always, and listen, well, it's better in the Passion Translation, or both are the same, excuse me. It says, but, but, but give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. Watch this phrase, ladies and gentlemen. If anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. And so that's the real purpose of what I want to share for you in this series that I'm talking about in different aspects of it as we move forward. But notice that phrase right there. If anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain that. Always be ready to give an explanation to that. And I just want to bring to your attention a couple of minutes, for a couple of minutes, a, a series of questions that I have assembled together and got from other resources that people ask about Jesus. The first one is simply this, is Jesus from history or is Jesus Jesus from eternity. Think about that. Is Jesus from history or is he from eternity? Colossians chapter 1, notice what it says in Colossians chapter 1 to answer that question here. And again, I'm going to be using scripture. I think scripture is the best way to back all this up, don't you? <laughs> That's why we're here. And you know, again, when you're, when you're talking to someone, let me bring that reference up. When you're talking to someone who, you know, doesn't necessarily believe that the Bible is the foundation for truth, then you do have some, you know, problems there. But if you have to come back and respond, to that person and say, this is my conviction. This is my belief. I believe God's 
word is covenant with me, and I believe God's word is my life, and I believe God's word is truth. And so if they can't believe that, if that's the, you know, if they're going to argue with you or debate with you about the existence of Jesus, I, you know, I don't know what to say other than the fact uh, I did have a person one time that said, well, I just don't simply believe the Bible. And so my response was, well, I understand that. I do. And uh, the only other thing I can offer to you is the trans, uh, transformation in my life. I, can, I am a living example of what this book says that he is by my life. Not that I'm perfect. I'm talking about the transformation of me as a believer when I became born again. And my life thus from the moment I've been born again to now has been dedicated to him. And I'm a living epistle, a living demonstration of the word. But, you know, again, I, I will always go back to the, the beauty of this book, the beauty of how this book was orchestrated, the beauty of how this book was assembled, and the beauty of how this book is coming to pass even in our lifetime. But notice what it says here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Notice this, what it says here in Colossians 1, 15 through 18. Again, uh, this, this will answer the question, is Jesus from history or eternity? It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Watch that phrase, the firstborn over all creation. Watch this in verse 16. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. I love the next verse. It says, and he is before all things and in him, all things consist. That pretty much wraps it up, does it not? <laughs> Who Jesus is. I mean, Jesus. Jesus was in history, and Jesus is in eternity. Jesus was born to a young couple, a young Jewish couple, and he spent his life in the Middle East. I think it's fascinating about Jesus. Think about this. He never went beyond 100 years from where, I mean, 100 miles from where he was born. He, would, he lived to only 33 years old. He never had formal education or training. And he never had a Facebook page or any other social media page like we have right now, Instagram or, or whatever. Just think about all the things that he did and has accomplished in his lifetime. And he never wrote, and jokingly aside about the social media, just think about it. Even at 33, he never wrote his own book. But yet this book and the books about him are the most predominant selling book of all time about any other, any other individual has ever walked this earth. I think it's fascinating. What a man, what a powerful person that has walked this earth. And, you know, again, until a person encounters him in a personal relationship and really surrenders their life to him, they'll never really understand who he really is. But you and I have a responsibility with technology and all the things that are happening right now to present this message of Jesus to others that may not know him or help others who know him to know him even better. Is the next thing I want to talk about. Number two, is Jesus from the Old Testament or the New Testament? Let's look at Galatians chapter four, verses four through five. Galatians verses. Galatians, excuse me, 4 through 5. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. All right, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. So notice what it says right here. From Genesis basically to Malachi, we see Jesus throughout the whole Bible. He was in the Old Testament. He was in the New Testament. Jesus basically entered human history after, of course, the Old Testament. But the Old Testament was the foundation to who Jesus is. 
and the platform or the foundation that brought him into the earth as these prophecies were fulfilled by him. Again, a lot of people will say, I can't necessarily see Jesus in the Old Testament. Yes, you can. When you look at the prophecies, when you look at the way things were arranged and the way that things came together, it is a beautiful thing how God's Bible, what we call the Bible and this covenant has orchestrated itself to bring this man into the earth. And yes, he's in both the Old Testament. But I like to say it like this. The Old Testament is proclaiming who Jesus will be. The New Testament is demonstrating who Jesus is. That's the way I see it. And to me, to you and I, these are encouraging things. I'm not here to argue with people. I'm not here to debate with people. I'm here to live it before them. I want you to live it before them. We founded this church 18 years ago on the very premise of the fact that you would have a knowing, growing relationship with the Lord. The mission statement of this church is extremely simple. It is not about me promoting us as a church family and all the ministries and our identity and what we can do for the community and what we do for each other, even though those things are important. That simple phrase 18 years ago still drives me today that you and I are simply this. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ under Father God. And when we have a personal relationship with him, that's the greatest thing we can have in this earth. Thank God for having a spouse. Thank God for having children. Thank God for having family. Thank God we are the family of God. But thank God that a thousand years from now, the only thing that matters really in this lifetime, other than the fact, I like to say it like this, other than your family, your children that you birth, which are eternal, is your eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. It will not matter a hundred years from now what you drove, what you wore, and where you lived. And how much money you had. Money is not a determining factor in the kingdom of God as far as who you are and your identity. Neither is your fame. Neither is your popularity. Neither is your whatever. I mean, look at the Lord Jesus himself, how he changed the world. And he was opposite from everything we deem as success. I'm telling you what a powerful and beautiful man he was and is today. The third thing I want to talk about is Jesus, the son of Mary or the son of God. Look at what it says in Luke chapter one, verse 35. We always refer to this in the Christmas story, but let's go, just, just go back. Hey, I'd like a little Christmas right now, wouldn't you? <laughs> Luke chapter one, verse 35. No, it's always Christmas time in my life, uh, seriously, because of who we are in him. And, uh, I, you know, again, my book Transformation that I wrote two years ago, and actually I'm, I'm releasing that book next year because next year will be 40 years. It'll be the 40th year since my transformation, 1983 to 2003. Um, I mean, 1983, excuse me, to 2023 will be 40 years. And so I'm waiting to release that book and really push that book and brag about the transformation of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. However, you know, again, when I went to my high school reunion recently, I was just amazed. Again, Facebook has helped me to promote the transformation in my life. But when I was around about 120 something of my classmates out of a class of about 300 people, they were amazed at who I was and the transformation. I had more comments about how different I was, not in physical appearance, but in just my demeanor, my attitude. And I worked that 120 people like I was at a Democratic Republican convention. I mean, I was promoting Jesus left and right. And uh, of course, I was asking people how are they doing. I was pastoring at my best. I got there at 6 o'clock and I left at 11 o'clock and I was loving people to the very, I was loving people all the way out to my car. You know why? Because I don't know if I'll see some of them again. I hope that I do. 
I really do, but the fact is Jesus Christ is a life changer. And I remember some of them that I was not with, but you know, literally 40 years ago, and look at who I am today and who they are, and unfortunately some of them definitely need Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, they saw something different in me. And they see something different in you. And listen, don't apologize for this great person. As it says here in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, listen to this. This is, this is the defining of how great he is. This is at his birth. And it says this. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Talking about Mary. And the power of the, of the highest shall overshadow you. And there will, therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Mm, the supernatural birth of Jesus, the supernatural life of Jesus. I mean, what an amazing man. What an amazing figure. What an amazing person. And he would do what he did, and he did it for you and I. He's worthy to be bragged about. He's worthy to be honored. Jesus grew up in a family with a full range of human emotions and physical needs just like anyone else. Sometimes we set aside the fact that he was the son of man as well as the son of God. Jesus was fully human, but he was divine throughout his entire life. I'm telling you what, Jesus was a perfect role model for you and I how to live life. I was talking to a dear friend of mine yesterday. He was a former vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. He's in town for um, a series of meetings, and him and I got a chance to spend some time yesterday together. And he was a dear, dear friend, and I actually worked for him and under him with the Graham organization. And uh, just a close, close man with Dr. Billy Graham. But what struck me as I was, he was asking me how the church was doing and all those questions and how I was doing, what was on my heart, I said, his name is Herb McCarthy. I said, Mr. Herb, I said, you know, in my heart, I said, we need to talk more about the Lord. He was asking me what I was doing today and what I was going to be talking about. I said, I'm doing this series called Simply Jesus because I want to get back to the simplicity of who he is. I want to brag on the man. I want to brag on the mission. I want to brag on the message. I want to brag on the miracles because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, there's not things happening in the earth that are not of him. Of course, there are things going the opposite way. But at the same time, that doesn't change who he is. And as a student of history, I look back at World War II, and I can only imagine what we thought about Adolf Hitler and the things that were happening. Can you imagine us living in World War II with the social media that we have now, ladies and gentlemen? We would be concerned, would you not, of a crazy dictator can you imagine unfolding on Facebook before your eyes, Blitzkrieg and Hitler's army and all that happening in rapid, fast, lightning wars, they call it, because Blitzkrieg, uh, the moving of the, of, the, of the German army, how fast it was, especially all the things that were happening all the way to the invasion of France and how quickly they took over France. You and I would be concerned about that, would we not? Will we not be concerned of a day called December the 7th, 1941, when we woke up on a Sunday morning and we're here in Texas and all of a sudden we're getting news of what happened at Pearl Harbor, that 2,000 precious American lives perished, military personnel. Would we not be concerned about that? Would we not react and respond to our young men and women getting ready to go overseas and fight in the Europe campaign as well as this enemy that just bombed us from Japan? Would we not think that those are the last days, but yet we may made it through that as a nation. The body of Christ made it through that as a people, all because of the fact that we kept our focus on the Lord. 
And we'll keep our focus on the Lord right now. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who is doing this and who's doing that. Are those things important? Absolutely. They're very important. But the most important thing is the fact that Jesus was the Son of Man, the Son of God, and he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm getting to my point here in just a minute. <laughs> Notice the next one. Is Jesus a teacher of truth or is he the truth to be taught? John 14, 6. Put it on the screen here. John 14, 6. Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said. I didn't say this. He said it. Watch this. Jesus said, I am the way. Notice there's no other way to get to God but Jesus. We don't promote water baptism here as salvation. We don't promote infant baptism here. We don't promote joining a church here as far as salvation. We don't promote being good as far as salvation or giving. All those things are important. What do we promote at Metroplex Family Church? He is the way. He is the what? And the, well, that's good. He, one more time. He is the way and the what? The truth, right? And the life. And no one comes to Father except through Him. Okay. Our dear Catholic brothers and sisters, you need to come to Metroplex Family Church because Mary is not in that sentence anywhere, is she? Nope, she's not. She's not in there. Love the Catholic Church. Appreciate all the traditions of the Catholic Church. They do a lot of great things. Got a lot of symbolism. Uh, no, I am not Father. I am not Pope. And I enjoy being married. So I'll leave that at that. But moving right along. Mary is not the way. Who's the way? Jesus is the way. And we've got a lot of precious Hispanic brothers and sisters that need to know that you don't need to do 5,000 Hail Marys. All you got to do is say, Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Come into my heart and life. I want to live for you. The words in red I want to pray about. And I want to receive what you did in the Old Testament as a fulfillment of the New Testament. I want to live my life to that. Hallelujah. I don't know. I'm excited this morning about Jesus Christ. <laughs> says that Jesus devoted his life to transforming and encouraging people. Did he not? He's still doing the same thing today. He has not changed in teaching truth. Jesus is the truth that you and I seek. He's the truth in all this. He is the truth in all this. It amazes me. I give a lot of credit. I was talking to a dear friend of mine recently, uh, Paul Crouch Jr., he's from the Crouch family. You know, they had TBN and all that. He's no longer with them. He's just, you know, an independent producer. But we were talking about Mel Gibson and what he did with The Passion of the Christ and in more films like this. And thank God, The Chosen series and all that's being uh, not far from here. And Al Alvarado and all that area, they're building sets like that for that series and, and more movies about Jesus. Actually, sets that look good actually are accurate and they're gonna, there's in the making more movies about the life of Jesus like what Mel Gibson did, even though The Passion is a hard movie to watch because of the death of Jesus. But Mel Gibson showed how powerful a man he is, how awesome he was, how in control he was. And, you know, he, he, he just exemplified the truth. And if Jesus is truth, and if he's the truth, then that means what you believe in him is nothing to be ashamed of. And the apostle Paul got a revelation of that. And when he got a revelation of that, it transformed him from being the Osama bin Laden of his day to writing nearly half of the New Testament. Just think about that. What if Adolf Hitler would have gotten saved? My Lord, wouldn't that have been awesome? Well, we have in our Bible right here, basically a man, maybe not at the level of Adolf Hitler, 
Of course he wasn't, but at the point I'm making is he saw the truth and the truth transformed that man. And the truth still transforms today. One of the Satan's most deceiving tricks, in my opinion, in these days, especially with the beauty of technology, is to get you so busy that you get away from truth. And when you get away from truth, you get away from freedom. When you get away from freedom, you get into misery. And when you're miserable, you're aggravated, agitated, grumpy, and moody. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And do not look at your neighbor as I'm talking. <laughs> because <laughs> let me say this. The last phrase about John 14, 6, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. And his life and his plan for your life, his will for your life is the greatest life to live, in my opinion. Moving right along is number five. It says, are we seeking, is Jesus seeking us or are we seeking him? Notice what it says in Luke 19, Luke 19, verse 10. Check this out. I know I'm doing a lot of scripture today, but uh, hey, it's the Bible. And uh, what we need to hear is the truth. Luke 19, 10, notice what it says. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which, lo which is lost. What beautiful words. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. This week, uh, a young man, he's a friend of my sister's. I'm telling you what, he has lived his life in the negative all his life. He has run hard from God, destroyed his body basically, and he's now on life support. But on Tuesday, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I was so thankful. My sister told me, and... Um, I mean, she, I didn't. I, I, I was just asking about how he was doing. She said, well, well, I just want to let you know what happened to do. He, he gave his heart to the Lord today. And I thought about that. All, I've thought about that the whole week, thinking here was a life at 48 years old, basically wasted, completely selfish, completely self-centered, refused to work, refused to do anything, completely addicted to drugs. But yet here, days before his passing, and I'm not saying he's passed away yet, but he's on life support. And basically, he went unconscious as of yesterday as far as communicating. He gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And, you know, he was lost, but he's found now. And a hundred years from now, a million years from now, a billion years from now, that's all that counts. And I thought about this week, how, how awesome is the power and the grace of God to an individual like that? And I, listen, I would never encourage anybody to wait the last minute. That is a foolish thing to do. But I'm telling you what, thank God how powerful the grace of God. He can take an absolute mess and turn it into a message. As a matter of fact, look, this young man whose life has been nothing but opposite of the Lord, I'm sitting here using him today as an illustration of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to save someone. And by the way, I want to encourage you, that person that may be in your life and your family that you think is hopeless. And I'll tell you what, I thought this man was hopeless. I thought he could die anytime. And he did. He, he overdosed this week. And I thought the overdose actually killed him. He came out of con unconsciousness into consciousness, got born again and went back into unconsciousness. Thank God for the grace of God. Hallelujah. Cause hell is a real place. We got people that don't believe in hell, but listen, I believe in hell. Jesus talked about hell just about as much as he did anything else. It is a real place. Please don't, you know, all this stuff we see on Facebook says, you know, rest in peace for those who went on, you know, and died. And listen, there is no resting in peace for a person that passes his life without Jesus Christ. They immediately go into hell. Immediately. They're just waiting on the judgment. There's no paradise. There's no kind of fun time. 
This is not ACDC's Highway to Hell song. We're going to have a good time down there. That's not what happens. Bon Scott, if he didn't know Jesus Christ, the lead singer of ACDC, I saw Bon Scott before I got saved. I remember him standing right there in front of me at the corner of Bible Auditorium in Birmingham, Alabama, singing Highway to Hell, and he died the next month. And that was a little bit of wake-up call to me because I'm sitting there watching him singing that song. And he died. What a sad thing. I hope he made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. I don't know. But my point is, it's over with. There's no coming back. But let me tell you something exciting. Not that, you know, again, the exciting thing to me is we have an opportunity to believe for people to get born again. People you would never believe. I never forget. I never thought that Alice Cooper would come to know Jesus Christ. Wow. I saw him the other day testifying on video. Alice Cooper, the rock musician. I mean, really strange dude, okay? <laughs> but thank God he loves the Lord now, okay? I mean, you know, we all come in different flavors, all right? But at the same time, my point is the grace of God that would save a man like that, okay? And him actually testifying. So I've been started praying for others like the rock group Kiss. Okay, let's pray for them, okay? They've been on their final world tour for about 10 years now, all right? <laughs> so <laughs> them and the Rolling Stones, I, I guess this the, I, you know, to change it to the eternal tour. <laughs> They're just going to keep making that money. And I know all of y'all keep going to their concerts, so why not keep doing it, you know? Anyway, uh, thank God for, for some members of the rock group Kiss, like Peter Chris, he's born again. And I've actually had dialogue with him and, uh, and, and really, you know, he's a, he's a man of God. But my point with all that is that Jesus Christ is in the saving business and to know him personally is the greatest thing can happen to an individual. Let's move on quickly. Are we praying for Jesus or is he praying for us? Let's look at John 17. If you've never read the book of John, I mean the book of John, I encourage you to. It will answer a lot of these questions I'm talking about today. Plus it points people into the questions, the answers to the questions I'm talking about. But notice what it says in John 17. This is an actual prayer that Jesus prayed for you and I. Check this out. No, don't everyone tell you that Jesus hasn't prayed for you. He has prayed for you and he is praying for you right now. This is a separate message, but the Bible says that he is currently making intercession for you and I. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? Look at what it says in John 17, beginning in verse number 20. In John 17, verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also those who will believe in me through your word. Isn't that awesome? He said, I don't just pray for these that are in front of me alone, but I'm praying for those who will believe in the word that you're, that's being delivered right now, talking about you and I who have believed. He's prayed for us. And notice what it says here in the rest of this. It says in verse 21, that they may all be one as you and I, Father, are one, you, that you are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How is the world going to believe that he, we are, that he sent, that Jesus was sent of the Father? Because they see you and I. Amen. That you are his representative. And uh, Jesus is not only praying for us, but Jesus wants us to pray to him. The most beautiful thing you can do in your life is not just live the Christian life, but communicate to the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to encourage you, never lose fact to that. Please take the time every single day to develop your relationship with the Lord. Wherever you need to be and whatever you need to do and the tools you need, we have them at metroplexfamilychurch.com. I will help you. But having that quiet time, that quality time, that personal time with him, 
communicating with him and, and communicating his word back to him, I'm telling you what, and, and getting an intercession with him, it'll change your life. It'll make your life better, and the people around you will see the difference. Moving right along, and this is a very controversial one. When number seven, it says, is Jesus doing greater works, but are we too to do the same thing also? That is a good question. John 14, 12. Probably the most misunderstood verse of scripture when it comes to the supernatural ministry of Jesus being perpetuated today. Notice what it says in John 14, 12. It says, most assuredly, these are Jesus' words now, not mine. Jesus says this, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I, will, that, he, that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? Well, does some would say, well, that means using technology. Hold on, no, it says, I say to you that he who believes on me, the works that I do. That's not talking about me using television cameras and technology. Is it? Because Jesus didn't use that. He said, the works that I'm doing right now, you'll do. And the supernatural ministry that Jesus did, we're supposed to do. That ministry of praying for others, that ministry of the supernatural. I'm not talking about the weird Pentecostal things you see these days sometimes and the showmanship of others. I'm talking about a genuine prayer of faith, believing for supernatural healing. I've said it before. It's a stirring in my heart. And it will continue to be a stirring in my heart. But the, the supernatural ministry of Jesus that he began in the book of Acts needs to perpetuate. That's why I wrote Acts chapter 29. I still am convicted by that whole chapter, Acts 29, even though there's only 28 chapters of the book of Acts. But I'm convicted by that ministry needs to be in the earth. Of the supernatural miracle ministry of Jesus. Now, I know my people at seminaries and friends of mine and those in the upper echelons of theological training would tell you that the apostles, all that left were the apostles. And, uh, but that's just not true because in the fact, the book of Acts is not just the original apostles. It's all types of people that were not with Jesus that did the works of Jesus all the way through the entire book. Yeah, it started out with the 12 that was with him, but it was transferred on and on. It went from 12 to 120 to on and on and on. It was never to a selected few. And by the way, why would the Lord select just a handful and say, you know, you're special and we not be special? Is he a, is he a respecter of persons? No, he's not. He loves us all. Does he not? He loves the apostle John just as much as he loves Brian Jacobs and you. There's no difference in God. Of people, in my opinion, and the Bible says that. But I'm telling you what, most people will say that those works of Jesus ended then and they're never to be perpetuated. I, I'm still convicted that that needs to happen. And so in the days ahead, just as a preview, you're going to hear more about the miracles of Jesus, the more of the supernatural ministry of Jesus from me. I'm just preparing you for that. And then also I have a book that I'm going to put together. It's called The, the 28, 26 Miracles of Jesus. It's an actual devotional. And I'm working with a particular, either a publisher or an author, I mean a, a, a painter, I'm just, just seeking which one at the time of this message, on painting an actual description, a drawing of each miracle of Jesus. And in a real way, I want Jesus to look good. I don't want this Jesus where he's all, like he's, you know, all had eight and, you know, 45 days and all. I'm telling Jesus is a powerful man, physically. I mean, think about it. I mean, what about, I mean, I just, you know, I'm a big, strong, big man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amen. Anyway, um, I mean, all I know is it'd been the night. If I, if I would have been there when the stripes were laid on me in the in the garden thing, with all due respect, after that first one or two, I'd have probably gone on to heaven. Okay, <laughs> so all right. But Jesus took thirty nine stripes, takes that cross, goes all the way up through the 
the whole courtyard area, goes up this hill, then he gets up on this hill there, and then that's where he was crucified. And the Bible says after all that, he cried out with a loud voice. I mean, Jesus was a powerful man physically. He was a carpenter by trade, but he was also a powerful man physically to take the beating that he took. And ladies and gentlemen, the point with all that story is I want to capture Jesus as Mel Gibson and others have done, the real Jesus Christ. How powerful, how beautiful, but how awesome that he was. And I want to do that devotion because I want to eventually see a more study, a more emphasis on the, on the, on the miracles of Jesus because Hebrews 13.8 is a scripture I'm about to use here. It says that the ministry of Jesus has never passed away, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so those greater works of Jesus need to be personified. Number eight, quickly, as we get ready to close here in just a couple minutes, is Jesus living or is he a die, did he die? And that's a good question. Now, again, for over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I mean 15 is the answer, but for those who would argue and say, well, Pastor Brian, or what, in your case, your name, they'd ask you, well, you know, well, I don't know if Jesus is still alive physically. Well, there's no body. And by the way, let me say it like this after I read this verse of scripture. Hold that phrase. Let me get to this right after I read this scripture. First Corinthians chapter 15, notice what it says in verse number three. It says, I've delivered you, first of all, that which I received that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. So that's the foundation of what we believe. Notice verse four, that he was buried and he, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So you see in two, two texts here, you see again, the emphasis going back to the Bible is our foundation. But look what it says here in verse number five, that he was seen by Cephas and by the 12 and look at verse number six, and then he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. And, and it, goes, it makes the statement of, of the greater part who remain present, but some have fallen asleep or some have died at the time of that writing. Over 500 people and much more than that are recorded to have seen Jesus alive and the resurrection. My point with that is, yes, he is alive. The proof is there. And by the way, if Jesus was not the son of God risen from the dead, do you not think that those who found his body would not promoted that extensively at that time? Would they not? Especially the Jewish sect, the religious group that hated him. And man, if they could have laid their hands on the body of Jesus, man, they would have paraded that. They would have actually, in my opinion, probably built a tomb around it and say, here, here's the crazy person or the, the person that called himself the son of man, the son of God. This is where he's buried. And so let's just, just, just settle that for history. I mean, they'd have done that, would they not? There was never a body. The disciples, by the way, didn't hide the body. Because look what happened to the disciples. They went from being extremely passive to what? Extremely aggressive, did they not? I mean, if they were living a lie, where would they get all this aggressive power from? I mean, did they not have a total change of demeanor? And again, that's the beauty of the fact that he is resurrected. The, 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 the death of Jesus is documented, but the resurrection is also proven. And so that's the beauty of what you and I, and this is not something we celebrate at Easter Resurrection Weekend. It is a yearly thing. Number nine, is Jesus past or is he present? Hebrews 13, eight. Hebrews 13, eight. Notice what it says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? Jesus is timeless and Jesus is our eternity. He is our eternity. I still believe every person that passes away, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. I, I believe this because my own dad passing away earlier this year. 
I believe there were two people in my dad's passing immediately when his spirit left his body. Number one was his mother, my grandmother. And number two, more important, was the Lord. I believe the Lord is there pictured. Of course, everybody that's, that's either come back or said that, you know, as far as come back and mentioned that, that the Lord was with them or they see the Lord before they die. Jesus is in our future. He is the future. And when a person passes away, they see the Lord. He's our eternity because he is the Lord of our life. And finally, number 10, Jesus is the king of Jews or the king of kings? All right, let's close with the book of Revelation and just answer that question. Is he the king of kings? I mean, the king of the Jews or the king of kings? Revelation 19, notice what it says here. Revelation is an awesome book, never to be feared, but to be read and absorbed and appreciated, especially the last chapters. All of this is, all of this is beautiful. But Revelation 19, 11, notice what it says, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this closely. It says, and I saw heaven open and I saw, behold, a white horse and he sat on it was called faithful and true. This is Jesus. And it says, and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. This is Jesus at the end of time. Number, verse number 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and his name and a name. And notice what it says. And he had a name written that no one except no one knew except himself. Verse number 13, and he was clothed with a robe dipped with blood and his name is called the word of God. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse number 14, when the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, that's you and I, white and clean, followed him on white horses. I have never ridden a horse, but a couple of times, but I be riding a horse that day, and so will you. I pray that horse is a Toyota man horse, okay, for all those who know my interest in Toyota. Anyway, notice what it says in verse number 15. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads on the wide press on the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And look what it says here in verse number 16. And it says, his, and, 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 and it says, and he has a robe, and on his thigh, Jesus actually has a tattoo. Check this out for all you tattoo people. Okay. Jesus only has one tattoo. All right. All right. Okay. I will make that clear. All right. I know some of you, I mean, I saw a lady the other day had a tattoo of her dog. I mean, that's okay. That's great. All right. But seriously, you know, I know you love your dog, you know, spots a great dog, but seriously, a tattoo right here. I mean, anyway, I'm sorry to diverse. Okay. It says written on his robe and on his thigh was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who we serve. That's who we live for. And is he the king of Jews? You better believe he's the king of Jews. He was a Jew himself. Is he the king of kings? He is the king of kings. My question to you, ladies and gentlemen, as we close today, who is he to you in your life? Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? He means everything to me. He's my life. He's my focus. He's my everything. You say, well, that's because you're in the ministry. That's because you're called to preach or whatever, or be a pastor. Hey, listen, my relationship with him's first. What I do for the ministry is second. I do what I do in the ministry because of my love for him and obedience to him. But at the same time, what I do is because I love him. I love him because he loved me first. He's the one that changed my life. He's the one that helps me. He's the one that brings me out of situations. And he does the same thing for you if you allow him to. One of the most gracious things I know about the Lord Jesus Christ, he never imposed himself on anybody. He never begged anybody to love him. People walked away from him. People ignored him. People ridiculed him. And people disdained him. And yet people loved him. And people saw him as who he is. And he kept his focus not on where he was living today, but on eternity. I love the old song that says, when he was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when he sacrificed his life, he sacrificed knowing that you and I would eventually be here today. 
And we have the opportunity not to be ashamed of this gospel, but to promote this gospel. You say, Pastor Ryan, well, people are arguing with me about this, and they're arguing with me about that. And what about this, and what about that? Listen, it is not about the kingdom of this world. It is about the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Presidents will come, presidents will go. Nations will come, nations will go. But the kingdom of God is for eternity. It was eternal then, it's eternal now, and it'll be eternal tomorrow. Your faith and your hope in him is the smartest thing you could ever do. Honoring him with your life is the wisest thing you could ever do. Giving to the expansion of his kingdom is the greatest thing you can do. Help advance the kingdom of God. The sad thing about that young man that I referenced earlier is he never participated in having the family of God. As if, if he passes away this weekend, he passes away. But yes, he's a part of the kingdom of God. Yes, he will not go to hell. But he never experienced the ability to honor the Lord and do something eternal. Every single week, one of the greatest joys of my life, not only is helping people in this book and understanding our relationship with him, but promoting and advancing the kingdom of God. I love watching and working with other ministries and organizations as we partner together with thousands and thousands of dollars to come together to advance the kingdom of God. And a lot of countries that seeing breakthrough in areas that you and I can't go there. There's no reason for you and I to go to some of these nations when the locals can do it better? Really, think about it. I mean, local people can do local ministry better. Each week I get invitations to come to India and Pakistan and all these other places. And, and some are sincere and some of them are just Facebook stuff. But then there are some organizations that really want me to come. And I respond accordingly to those that are sincere. And I always respond with this. I said, America needs my help right now. From Sacramento, California to Bangor, Maine, and right here in Texas, there are millions and millions of people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a millions and millions of people that are watching Christian television, and yet at the same time, they have no real relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there are people that are growing colder and colder and meaner and meaner towards the things of God. And they're more miserable and more miserable than they've ever been. Think about it. I mean, they're parading themselves with pride and saying, look at me and this, you know, I've got it all together when deep down inside they really don't. Money can't make you happy. It'll make you feel good. One person said, it'll give me what I want. Yes, it will give you what I want. But recently I watched the movie by Elvis and a great movie it is. But how sad it is to look at his life and look at how the things he experienced and how he loved the Lord and how he struggled with all that he struggled with. And he was such a precious man in some respects and yet his flesh was out of control in others. He was such a giving man. His giving just was, as far as entertainers goes, probably uh, outstanding compared to some people. I mean, he gave and he gave and he gave financially and to the point where the movie really talks about how he gave his fortune away, even to the colonel, but yet at the same time, how he gave personally was just the story after story. But yet he did not have the ability to have a growing relationship with the Lord. And how sad it is. And his wife that he married is still alive today. And yet she's without him. And how sad that is too, that now she's lived an entire life without him. What if we could have helped him? What, again, if people will live longer and live stronger and live healthier 
I don't want to see people die at young ages. I don't want to see people perish without a knowing, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to see people go to schools out of fear. I want to see parents raise up strong believers that have the presence of God on their lives when their children and their children have an ex- Sheila Jacobs that knows how to pastor them. Sheila in there passing out cookies and, and ding-dongs and donuts. She's in there empowering them. That's the reason I fell in love with that woman because she is a children's minister, not a babysitter. Now you can get your children entertained or you can get them equipped. I think when you get them equipped, their lives will change. Hello? And we got parents today that just don't, you know, want to bring their children to church. It amazes me. It amazes me also people are just passive about, you know, being a part of a church anymore. I'll just be online. Nothing for you watching online for all the things you're doing. I'm talking people that go to on church online full time. Don't wait. Listen, there, I, I have two degrees. I have an, an intended and an, a, a degree where I was in attendance as far as the school I went to. And then I went to, I have a degree where I went online. Where is the better education? Where's the better education? Attendance. There's nothing wrong with online. As a matter of fact, I was older and I made it work and I actually had a higher GPA when I you know, was online than I did when I attended. But actually the better education came from where? Where? In class, in person, with that teacher one-to-one. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what needs takes with what we do here at Metroplex Family Church. Not just you being here on Sundays all the time. Listen, thank God for vacation. Some of you need a vacation, okay? Amen. I'm telling you as your pastor, you need a vacation. You work seven days a week. Your your brain is getting, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, you're getting irritable. Okay. You're getting grouchy. And in the words of uh, Loretta Lynn had told her husband one time, she said her husband's name was Dew. And she said, Dew, you quit acting like an old bar. (laughs) So what's that mean? You're grumpy. You need that vacation. Do what Vivian Rubin Casada did. They just went on a vacation. Don't they look happier in tan? <laughs> so, and some of you need that. Well, Pastor Brian, I can't afford that. Vacation ain't all the way about traveling. Vacation's about having fun. Learn to laugh. Listen, learn to laugh. Cut on the TV and look at some things that are funny. Thank God for Gilligan's Island. Thank God for Gomer Powell. Thank God for something that's funny out there, okay? Listen, watch Tim Hawkins. Oh my gosh, that man is, he's truly the 13th apostle, in my opinion, of humor. (laughs) I mean, I love that man. I'll tell you what, if I could get him to come here, but he can't really because he has to do auditoriums. But he is hilarious to watch too. I go at home, and this Sheila thinks this is funny, I sit in my tub and I watch Tim Hawkins, okay, for about an hour. And I tell you what, I cleanse my body and I cleanse my soul because there's nothing better than laughing. Is it not? We need to laugh and need to laugh at ourselves because sometimes we're so serious about everything. I mean, you know, our whole world is going to rock because of who's in the White House. We're going to, our whole world's going to rock because of what happened with this or what happened with that. Listen, some things are just the way they are and let them have the the time to take themselves to where they are because they'll work themselves out, okay? I promise you it'll work itself out when we trust the Lord and put our focus on Him. Yes, there are things that I look at and I don't enjoy, and I've been to Washington, I've been to the White House, I've been to Congress, I've, I've worked in those areas, and sometimes to watch those things are extremely unpleasant. But Jesus Christ is Lord. I'll never forget this, and I close with this. One time I walked out of the Capitol, I was so frustrated. I was traveling, I was up at a church up there. I went over there to spend the week. I was on that church on Sunday. I was, I was at the church on Sunday. I had two Sundays in a row at this church. 
And I went over to the Capitol and man, they were fighting and they were fussing and things weren't getting done. It was so much strife and contention. And I just simply went and got my lunch, a little lunch plate thing at the cafeteria there. And I went out and stood on the Capitol steps right there, you know, those big long steps right there in the center. And I sat there with my little lunch and it was a beautiful, I mean beautiful, one of those beautiful fall days there in Washington, D.C. And what a view that is. And I sat there and ate my lunch in silence. And I'll never forget this. I said, Lord, I just give you all this. I said, this can weigh heavily on an individual. And what's going on in there is not necessarily right or what's best for America. But you are Lord. And I give you this right now. I just give it to you. I'll never forget, ladies and gentlemen, not that God spoke to me all to me, not that he spoke to me in this big vision, but it has spoken my spirit and it changed my life. And I'll never forget sitting there after I'd put that meal away and I'm sitting there and I was getting ready to go back to inside there. He just spoke to my heart and that he said these words to me, I am Lord and that's all that needs to be in your life of importance. You don't need to worry about what's going on behind that building behind you. Let me just be the Lord of your life. And that was probably the greatest trip I've had to Washington yet, even though I've had many. But the peace of God and the joy of the Lord, I went back into that Senate chamber watching a friend of mine in there and um, Senator Rand Paul and uh, watching all that debate. And I just left there with the peace of God. And that weekend I went up to Gettysburg and walked those fields with those precious lives of men that gave their heart and life for my freedom. And I preached that Sunday at that church, New Life Christian Center. And I preached on freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've never been really the same since. All because of a revelation of renewing of the fact that what's the most important thing in my life? Who Jesus is. And who Jesus is, is all that counts. So Father, we just come before you, Lord Jesus. We just praise you today. And I thank you for every person in the sound of my voice. Those that are watching, those in the auditorium right now. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done and what you are doing. I give you my life in every area and everything. I surrender all to you and I trust you and your Lordship over everything in my life. Lead me, guide me, Direct me and show me what to do, and I'll glorify you in it all. In your name I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.